This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time for the Wrestling Inc. Monday Night Raw after show. And have we got a show for you Kofi Kingston and Ivar put on a classic. Becky Lynch is defending titles, and it looks like we are not going to get Judgment J. Uso. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce the crew. I'm Jack Farmer being joined by the Spar with LaBar champion, Justin LaBar, and the returning special guest. He's going to be a special guest multiple times. How many times are you going to be a special guest, Matt Coon? I don't know, but you're a special guest again tonight. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? And how are you guys doing out there? Thanks for tuning in. We got lots to talk about. Jack, I'm excited about joining you. Justin, always for a long time, I'd love to hear what you had to say. So I can't wait to get started. Appreciate that. Yeah, let us know how you guys are doing in the chat. I see that Issa has a coordinated attack on me in the uh, in the chat. That's all. That's all good. Coordinated uh, attack? I'm, I'm watching it. She took her shoe off and is whipping you in the butt. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, what what is this? I I come in, I say hello, I look at the chat, and it's it's all these attacks on me. I, if you're listening later, I, I I'm not even gonna repeat what they're saying. But uh, <laughs> uh, Justin, it's looking like my fantasy football team's going two and zero. How are you? Uh, I'm gonna be one and one. Not strong enough this week. I had what well, had J.K. Dobbins who got hurt the first week, so I was thin on thin on running backs this week, and you know. Patrick Mahomes is still not playing like Patrick Mahomes, at least from fantasy value standpoint. But it's okay because in the real world, my Washington Redskins football team commanders are two and zero. And you- and, I was, and I was in Baltimore, uh, and the Baltimore Orioles have been my lifelong baseball team. I got to see them have an awesome game Saturday, uh, and they are officially mathematically in the postseason for the first time in seven years. So it's going good for me in the in the real world sports fantasy, not so much. Matt, are you a football guy? Do you got a fantasy football team, or do you have a real team you follow? I wish I was. Growing up in Southern California, we got kind of screwed at my time for football teams. The Raiders left. The Rams were terrible. So I followed a little team uh, that had some success called the L.A. Lakers, and I just kind of stayed with that, you know? Yeah, well, once you become a Lakers fan, it's hard to really get interested in just about anyone else. Especially in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lakers are, Lakers are a tough act to follow, but uh, – my fantasy football team's still looking pretty good. I asked Chat GPT if teams were heel or face, and they said the Seahawks are heels, and they said that the Commanders, they're in catering, Justin. I'm sorry. Oof. Ouch. <laughs> to be fair, its cutoff date is like 2021, so it doesn't look at the past few years. Oh, but, well, yeah. That would be fair uh, enough. Just the uh, previous 25. You know, I'm, <laughs> I live in the area, so I'm aware of – the commander's woes since Mark Rippon led him to the Super Bowl like 75 years ago. <laughs> yeah, our last Super Bowl was a season of 92 after that. It's been – but, hey, new the, the new ownership, dickhead owner's gone. It's a new day. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, let's get into some news. Of course, if you're watching, uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, 
you guys, I don't know if you heard, uh, but on Friday, The Rock decided to pop into SmackDown unannounced. Who? The, the Rock. If you haven't been watching wrestling uh, for over 20 years, you may not know who The Rock is. You may know him better as Black Adam, the greatest superhero in the greatest superhero movie of all time. Yes, that that's how most people know him as Black Adam. I think that's what most people call him that now. Now uh, I know. Now I know who you're talking about. Thank you. He's a wrestling fan. Yeah, he's a big fan of wrestling. I think all his dreams came true. He got to share the ring with Austin Theory. I have a feeling he was so nervous in that God, ring. God, would they, would they stop wasting time on these celebrities and let the real wrestlers get some ring time? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't like how they go all Hollywood trying to get actors in there. Just give us the guys who can do the collar and elbows. And at least somebody with some size, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, someone who looks like they can fight. Someone with some bulk to them. <laughs> right. Instead of this, uh, <laughs> this guy. But uh, on the latest episode of the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer provided some details about The Rock returning, said, uh, quote, well, he was there for the football game, the Colorado State game. He was there on the sidelines the next day, so he was there for the football game in Boulder, Colorado, and Denver's right there, so it all made sense. Uh, of course, before that, he was talking to Pat McAfee about how it was apparently locked in that he was going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39, but they couldn't nail down exactly what the thing was he was going to do. Uh, Meltzer then said that um, Dallas was a possibility, but with L.A. scheduled that he wanted to do L.A. because it was SoFi Stadium and all that good stuff. Uh, but then that obviously didn't happen. Now there's a writer's strike, and you know we don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, but that is obviously getting everyone fantasy booking. Uh, Justin, I always like to go to you first uh, for the news items. My question to you about The Rock is, do you think him showing up and this renewed energy he may have with WWE, is this because Endeavor is now involved and we've got a bigger machine behind everything, or is this just the writer's strike giving The Rock free time? I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. Um, I think, you know, he he was, he did show up and he was on Pat McAfee's show on Friday, which I was watching, which t- which took place there, as, as you mentioned, in Colorado. And I remember as I'm, as I'm, as I'm watching this that afternoon, I remember thinking, wow, they're, they're there in Colorado for, for that. And, and, and SmackDown's in Denver. Like that's a, that, that, that could, I wonder if something would happen. And then a little bit later on, on the internet, there started being some, I think Sean Ross Sapp was the first one to say, this is something he'd heard, but he was still trying to get confirmation. So I think, you know, first off, I think it's the fact that The Rock, you know, wanted to be there, you know, for the football game and then, then SmackDown's there. Obviously, you know, Nick Khan and WWE's talked about they've known each other since they were kids, you know, you know, all on top of the relationship that Rock's had with Vince and the rest of WWE. And then, yeah, writer's strike, you know, so maybe some time's opening up. You know, Rock did say when he was giving the explanation about the whole Roman Reigns match not happening, he'd even said to Pat McAfee, you know, it's not so much schedule uh, because I can still kind of control schedule. He, you know, he really got in and he gave us this big story about it, was, about it creatively. Like they wanted to, they wanted it to, to really mean something. And first off, I, I mean, I commend Pat and the crew for kind of pressing Rock. You have Rock there with a live mic. Like ask him the questions that we all want to know. It's not like Rock's often on a live mic with somebody else who's had, you know, who's like McAfee, who's relevant in pop culture, but also has worked WrestleManias. So I commend them for asking. I don't know if I love The Rock's answer. I'm not sure if it's a real answer or not. He ba- The irony of The Rock's answer is he basically says that the creative wasn't there, that wasn't satisfying, which is very ironic considering most wrestling fans would say having The Rock versus Roman Reigns match with all the bloodline stuff and everything going on is, is a creative, low-hanging fruit slam dunk. 
that you don't need to, to, to reinvent the creative wheel, so to speak. So the explanation is ironic. I don't know if that's the real answer. Because here, something to remember is that he, the way he spoke about it was, okay, we're not going to do it in Dallas. We want to do it in L.A., which I think we all agree. L.A. would make made sense. Yeah, you can go to Dallas. You can go try to sell out Cowboy Stadium. But L.A. made sense given it's L.A. and, and, and it's Hollywood. What happened in between that Dallas WrestleMania Bingo. and that L.A. WrestleMania? Bingo. 100%. You know where I'm going, Matt. What happened? Vince, McMahon, Vince McMahon had a terrible year from a public image standpoint. So I'd have to wonder if I'm the rock, not a dumb guy, very successful. If, if you're going to stop and say, do I want to be, you know, especially Vince comes right back, right about as a new year hits, right about as 2023 hits. That's right. When Vince comes back in after a lot of bad PR all in 2022. And that's right about as you're getting ready to enter in rumble and road to mania. So it's at that point, you would need to have the mania main event locked down. And so I wonder, did rock hesitate? At that point, saying, I don't know if this is the best look for my brand right now. Yeah, Matt, it's uh, there's a lot of things that I could have seen being a little bit of a hiccup there. Also, uh, from the Rock standpoint, he was kind of taking some L's uh, himself, kind of leading up to that with Black Adam not being that successful financially. There was some uh, chatter about the Rock and how he was interacting with the uh, movie makers over at DC and all that. A lot of speculation as to what could have happened between him being at WrestleMania and not being at WrestleMania. I think, uh, you know, no matter what happens, no matter what disagreements he gets in with what grip or with DC creative or whatever, he's still the biggest name in wrestling. He's still welcome back. And I go a little bit, uh, Justin and I are a lot on the same page. I go a little bit even more cynical. You know, the relationship he has with Nick Khan and Vince McMahon, at one point, it looked like maybe somebody else was going to be running the show. At one point, it looked like maybe someone else was in charge of creative. And now that person is no longer with the company and, or and in a position of power the way he was. And the first week that that happened, he's on SmackDown. So it seems to me that for whatever reason, perhaps it has to do with personnel at the top, the ones who make the decisions. Uh, for whatever reason, it seems like The Rock and Ella and, uh, and WWE are in good graces, but also like this whole like, you know, Boulder thing. The Rock has been within a stone's throw of a wrestling show the last few years, besides this time. And, you know, L.A. was it. L.A. was supposed to be it. L.A. made the most sense. You can bend it around as much as you want to be Philly or whatever, but it was supposed to be L.A. Something happened, and to Justin's point, those reasons sound hinky at best. You know, you got creative reasons. Oh, no, scheduling reasons at first. Now it's creative reasons. Guess what the creative is? Whatever The Rock says it is. That's what the creative is, and that's the way it'll be. But the creative is probably has more to do with who he felt was in creative control, who was in power, and now he likes what he sees. His childhood buddy is is at a big point in the company, as is the man who brought him in the company, uh, Vince. So I would say look forward to The Rock against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40. Who do you got winning, Matt, since you threw it out there? You think probably Rock Ro comes back and takes an L? Probably Roman. Yeah, I think I think I think Roman gets it, and I think they're able to convince Rock to do that because Rock ain't wrestling too many more matches. And while we're fantasy booking, or, or, or not fantasy, well, I guess while we, while we all have the pencil here and we're and we're and we're booking out, I think if they, I, I I agree with Matt. I think night one you could see Roman versus Rock 
And then I think you could also have Roman versus Cody on a night two if that was still part of the plan. And I think Roman Reigns being the first person ever to main event both nights of a WrestleMania would be the history making kind of stat that would be very on brand for the Roman Reigns resume uh, for him to be the first man to close out both nights of WrestleMania. Yeah, in my perfect world, this is now this is just taking the pencil. In my perfect world, it is the bloodline for the title, Rock versus Roman, uh, night one, with Cena versus Cody underneath it for number one contendership. Winner's face, mm-hmm. night two. Cody still gets his victory Sunday night. Story gets finished. Cody beats Cena uh, for night one, then beats uh, Roman night two. Roman gets the win over the Rock. Roman gets to get a vacation. Cody gets the title. Rock gets to wrestle. Win, win, win. So we have Justin's booking, Matt's booking. Everyone, I want you to, in the chat, let me know who you, who's you prefer. My idea would be, let's just get down to what people really want to see. Main event, night two, WrestleMania, The Rock versus Akira Tozawa. That's what we all want to see, everybody. Let's get it going. No? Just you just me. You never uh, know. <laughs> no, I think I do know it's not happening. Uh, don't worry, Akira. I'm still I'm still your biggest cheerleader. Uh, we got more news about people who might end up being in WWE, and that's Jade Cargill. Apparently, she has been removed from the AEW roster page. Uh, however, it's unlikely she'll appear on NXT this week because she has apparently flown back to Georgia. Matt. Uh, as far as we know, no contract has been signed by Jade Cargill for any wrestling company, but I have to imagine that if WWE is able to get Jade Cargill, that is quite a pickup for WWE. It's, it is. And I think we all know it's going to happen. You know, it seems to be a, a foregone conclusion, but it's a concern for Tony Khan in that it's almost like anybody who left AEW wouldn't it be a huge loss for AEW, but would be a huge gain for WWE, which seems very TNA-ish. It seems very impact-ish, you know, that let's say Chris Jericho left AEW. I mean, who cares, right? Like he's, you know, he's fine. But if he went to WWE, oh, they'd make a big deal. He would be a huge gain. So Tony Khan and AEW need to figure out how to make AEW look less like a quick stop on the way to WWE because to this day, people don't grow up wanting to be a pro wrestler and wanting to be on Dynamite. They want to be on Raw. They want to be on SmackDown. They want to be on the big show. If you're a veteran, FTR, Daniel Bryan, the schedule is enticing. The money's enticing. But if you're a Jade Cargill or anybody like a Jade Cargill, an MJF, a Jungle Boy, uh, you know, anybody young, they want to go to WWE. How would you not? Yeah, Matt, I've said the same thing several times in this program. I think I've used MJF as an example, and you're right. You know, that's the advantage that WWE has of having, you know, five decades ahead start is that, you know, you're a little wall away. You might have some rarities like a Darby Allen, but you, you, for the most part, you're, you're years away from establishing double or nothing or all in or all out to being something that enough guys and girls grow up on saying, OK, that's my goal. You still have the talent that's out there right now that grew up watching WrestleMania, dreaming, you know, when they were puking and, and doing uh, you know, the suicides and doing all, and, and, and doing back bumps a hundred times in a row, you know, training to be a wrestler. They had the drive of WrestleMania, WrestleMania, WrestleMania. So you're exactly right. 
And I think also with Jay Cargo, you look at you look at the way WWE has helped create stars. You look at somebody like The Rock. You look at John Cena. You look at the the, the crossover that WWE has been, been able to have uh, on the level they do. Again, because of how ingrained they are in the culture, they've had a fifty year head start. And I think to Jay Cargo, that's also a very attractive of what they could do. WWE is a marketing machine. They are a marketing juggernaut, and uh, what they could do with her beyond just bumps in the ring. Uh, the sky truly is the limit. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's inevitable uh, that, that she's going to be on WWE programming sooner rather than later. My question is, why does, you know, she she loses that TBS championship, takes some time off, I guess, you know, disappears from TV. Why bring her back to have her lose on a taped show any which way of Rampage that hardly anybody's watching anymore? If, if, if you know that she's on her way out, if her contract's winding down and you hear, the, if you're Tony Khan, you hear the scuttlebutt, or maybe she straight up told Tony, I'm, I'm going there. Keep her out of sight, out of mind. Why do you bring her back on the TV and remind people who might be attracted to her as a character and, and, and as, a, as a, and then, and then, and now they can all hop on the bandwagon to go follow her. Like, why keep her out of sight, out of mind? I don't understand that. The answer is simple. I mean, it's it seems simple to me. Tony Khan's just too nice for the wrestling business. You know, Tony Khan is a nice guy. He's a nice guy, and so it seems to me like he brought her back to do the honors that she didn't have to do, but most importantly to show her she was appreciated and have a good goodbye. And you know, he was so respectful to William Regal letting him go. He was so you know. Um, accepting of CM Punk, of everything that was going on, and now he's doing such a such a right thing by Jade. But, man, it's the wrestling business, bro. Like, you've seen, you've gotten taken advantage by these people, even though you're doing the right thing, even though you're doing things for the right reasons. You think people should follow you and do right by you. That's not the way it works a lot of times. And I think it's just Tony Khan being too nice, uh, such a nice guy to the detriment of his product. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be a nice guy and, and allow everybody to have the night off if they need it and, and help set up uh, travel arrangements to let them all go to a funeral for, for Wyndham Rotunda. That's that's using your nice for something that's within reason. That's We're talking life or death. We're talking bigger than wrestling. But, yeah, for the business standpoint, for your business, I don't think that was a good business decision. made no sense to me to do that. I mean, to play a devil's advocate, though, if you're AEW and you're Tony Khan, you're not going to be able to outbid WWE if someone wants certain wrestlers. And you're not going to be able to match the exposure. You're not going to be able to match the Hollywood connections. So one thing you can do is say, I'm the guy that works with the talent and isn't going to throw you under the bus. That's, I mean, that's really one of the only bargaining chips that Tony Khan has. I, mean, I, I know and you're going to have billionaire, great matches. But and you're going to have great matches. Right. But I, I know Tony Khan's a billionaire, but at the same time, the the money that WWE has is ridiculous that they can use here. And so if you have like WWE who really wanted Cody, who really wanted Jade, AEW is not winning that bidding war. So you have to have a something like a culture or a boss or something that makes people go, hey, it may not be as much, but I at least like that guy. Uh, if you're not again beyond the schedule side of things i don't know just play devil's advocate there yeah, no I'm i not sure oh go ahead justin no sorry man. i was just saying jack actually i think that's maybe a fair point of if you're right i mean you know tony khan's things that he has to offer as matt alludes earlier an easier schedule not away from home to to the degree and grind that you are in wwe and um and look he's tony khan still has money to offer too but i think you're right that may be a thing it's like all right you know i'm gonna be on the road a whole lot if i'm in wwe I'm going to be dealing with a boss who is legendary for his personality and Vince McMahon. Um, you know, maybe that is Tony Stahl. Is hey, I got maybe you know maybe yeah maybe maybe that is his his 
something a, a, a club he's trying to keep in the bag to 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 be attractive. I think um, from the people I've heard, like money's not really a factor in as much that they basically offer about the same amount. Like I don't think Tony Khan offered that much more money for Jade. I don't think he offered that much more money for Cody. I think it's everything else. You know, I think you're weighing that schedule, which we keep saying it, but it is significant. It is a significant difference in a schedule. Also, he pays for travel. Also, he puts you up in the hotel. He takes care of all that stuff. It makes it so much easier. You're paying for that versus platform and prestige in your mind. And so Mm -hmm. I think Jade Cargill, that age, that ability, that look, she knew what she was, and she's smart. So she knew what she's doing the whole time. And good for her. Although I will say with a schedule, while it is only, you know, while AEW doesn't run a tour of live events uh, in addition to their TV. So, but I will say, especially now with Punk gone, and if they are going to kind of just be able to like have guys and girls be on Wednesday, sometimes Saturday this time, that does, that does not, yeah, you may not be on the road in as many cities. You're not in the, in the rental car as often, but to have to go into a town Tuesday for Wednesday TV then to leave town Thursday, I guess to go home, only to have to turn back around Friday to get to Saturday's town. Uh, that is a little bit for, for the for the for the guys and girls who have families. That's 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 unattractive in its own right. Yeah, the Wednesday Saturday thing for the same talent uh, is not great for sure because you get travel days on both sides of those takes up the whole week. But historically, just doing the one night of dynamite has been very appealing yes. to wrestlers. But We'll see how that works. That was something I was thinking, too, when they start cross-pollinating these shows. Like, that travel, Wednesday and Saturday, makes it so that you're pretty much full-time on the road, even more than WWE. You know, the the, the, the Tuesday through Sunday or the, the Monday through Friday or, or, or whichever one you're on. Oh, and oh, by the way, they're having you go to both shows because so they, ha- they, they tend to send so much of the talent to both shows, and, and there's not a guarantee that you're going to necessarily be used. Uh, so it's not, it's not even like you're necessarily getting TV time and helping, you know, push your merch sales or whatever else so it's like you're traveling only to, you know and yes it's paid for and all that stuff but you're still away from your family and oh you didn't even go out there and be on the live show maybe you you know so that again needing to get a hold of uh your plans of do you need this talent here or can you send them home because if i'm a talent having to deal with that wednesday to saturday thing and then i go to saturday and i'm not used i'm just sitting around yeah, we have a, a couple of super chats. Kelvin says Jade looks like a WWE type athlete talent. It only makes sense she made the jump. Um, I I think that you can have any type of talent in either company, but I, I do think that like Jade, I think it wouldn't shock me if she didn't sign with wrestling either way because she's got a lot of other things going. If she got into movies or something else, it wouldn't shock me either. But Got a feel. If I was a betting man, I'll say we'll see her in NXT sooner. I think rather. we all know what Kelvin's kind of saying. You know, she yeah. she is a very striking woman in in a very unique look, but also extremely just star quality. Just if you saw her in an airport, she'd pass that airport test. You're like, who is that? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And then you imagine the stare downs she could have with like Rhea Ripley, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, and everyone else, but. Bluetooth also with a um, with a super chat, a jack-o'-lantern. It looks like a farmer and a goat. I can't really tell, but I'll assume it's a good, all good things, uh, Bluetooth. Thank you. Uh, so it says let's... Jack Farmer's the goat. Oh, Jack Farmer's the goat. Well, thank yeah. you, Mac. Thank you for being able to. Uh... It was a jack. It was a jack-o'-lantern, and then a farmer and a goat. 
I work with kids, man. I, I I'm, uh... yeah. <laughs> oh man, I feel so old not being able to. You're uh, like to it's a jack and a farmer and a goat. <laughs> you even what? said your own last name. <laughs> what? What could this possibly be? I'm pretty sure that was part of a skit on like Saved by the Bell in 1991. I mean. Uh... What does a yellow light mean? I would be the world's worst spy ever. Like, Jack, here's the code. It's like super obvious. Like, I don't get it. The files are in the computer. Uh... <laughs> what does the yellow light mean? Right. Slow yeah. down. What? what does the yellow light mean? <laughs> Well, let's talk about Rob. Before we do, as always, like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, if you're lurking, shout out to all the lurkers out there. Shout out to everybody who is in the chat. MDB999. Yes, boy. Chris Haggerty, Bernie DC, Ricky Zaldivar, Tuck, Graf, Baby, Ison, GZDR4EV. I haven't seen you before. Good to see you here. Beer. And Stephen Camp as well. But also, I want to give a shout out to Cameron Gill1761, who is going to be watching us tomorrow uh, from the UK. Can't stay up late and watch the show live. So, going to be watching us uh, in a little bit. Uh, also, Yes Boy uh, with a super chat saying, Do y'all do y'all best Samantha impression announcing Chelsea Green? I can't do better than that. <laughs> well, Matt, let me hear you. Let me hear your best Chelsea Green uh, impression. Uh, not che Samantha Irving announcing Chelsea. How, Green. how does she say it? How does she say it? Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green. See, I can I can just be an announcer. <laughs> Chelsea Green. That's all I got. <laughs> well, you do the decoding. I'll do the uh, Chelsea Green and the imitations. Uh, but uh, that's that's about as good as we're gonna get. Uh, yes, boy. Uh, but uh, let's talk about this show already. We start. Cody Rhodes wants to talk about Jay Uso, but Dom says Jay will be in the Judgment Day soon enough. Cody says Rhea's eyeballing Jay Uso, and this leads to a match between the two. Priest and Finn try to get involved, but Cody still gets the win after the match. Of course, uh, there's about to be a beat down, but Sammy and KO show up and save Cody and. Cody convinces everyone to give Jay a chance. Matt, um, first and foremost, uh, I want I want to get your opinion. Do you think the Urkel Laura Winslow reference is a little past its due, like expiration date? I don't know, man. Like you know, Cody isn't great with the references sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like he's good in a lot of ways, but sometimes he runs out on those. You know, I will say. That although we've seen this kind of thing on WTV, I said that last week as well. This was uh, just just so carried by the performances. By I believed Kevin Owens 100. I believed mm -hmm. Cody 100. I believed Sammy 100. I thought it was intriguing. I thought Kevin Owens said, "I don't trust him, but I trust you." That's not. I don't think I've ever heard that line in wrestling. Like it really well done, really well thought out. Um, Cody's a star. Uh, Sammy and Kevin are playing kind of. The, the next level stars to perfect and Jay Uso, they have made him something. And so you got to give and, and Dom's great too. So a plus all around hundred percent. Yeah. Justin, I saw you shaking your head. You're a, uh, you're a family matters guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a family matters is one of my favorite 90 sitcoms. Uh, I, but before, 
there was Hulu and all these services that would, you know, archive all these shows from the past and you could just, you know, binge watch them. I, uh, in the early aughts, uh, paid some shady money to a shady person who shipped me DVDs of all the Family Matter episodes, clearly that they spent a lot of time around a VCR and, and, and got them all in order for me. Uh, that's yeah, that's 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 where my my Family Matters fandom goes. So I I, I popped huge at that reference. And look, WWE's audience tends to skew skew older, so I'm sure you know people yeah. people got it. Uh, I mean, hell, I just made a taxi reference a few minutes ago, and, and that that was <laughs> that was 15 years in front of that. So um, yeah, I mean, I thought everything. I thought everybody kind of hit in this opening. A lot was accomplished. You know, obviously you get Dom's heat out there. I like Cody kind of t- hinting and teasing, kind of planting a seed of maybe some mommy and 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 Dom uh, problems later on. I mean, I keep saying that that we could have a Judgment Day wedding, we could have a mommy and and Dom wedding, and of course we all know how weddings end in wrestling, so it, it could be just you know great shenanigans. Uh, but then the Kevin Owens stuff, as Matt touched on, so I thought a lot was uh, a lot was accomplished. A lot of different creative paths were uh, were paved uh, or continue to be paved uh, for them to go down uh, as as we keep rolling on here. Well, Cody made an interesting point. He said he made a he brought up the fact that Rhea never actually says what Dom and Rhea are, which has always been kind of interesting for the viewer. But when in that situation, it it was sort of a, a moment of, yeah, Dom, what are you guys? If she's not saying it and if she's quote unquote looking at Jay uh Jay Uso, I almost said Jay Urkel on accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh by the way i only mentioned that i know family family matters uh that was uh what was the, how did that how did the theme song go I, I days go, go by. By. it's a bigger yeah, love, love of the family. family yeah that's a good one so, i i like family members but i i had to look it up the show ended when dom was one years old so i don't know if he would have gotten the references is, is all uh, but yeah, that kind of set the tone for the night. I am a big fan. Ever, oh yeah. I'm sorry. You ever thought about how ironic it is? His name's Dom. Like, don't you think her name should be Dom and his I, name should be sub? <laughs> I think that? it is when, uh, the lights go off. Ba-bow. That's all I got. Wrestling Inc. After dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we move on to, uh, <laughs> and I don't usually highlight the non, uh, the non, um, Super chats. Well, I highlight a lot of them, but uh, I don't call it out. Urkel transcends time. I love that. Uh, but uh, Kofi Kingston has a match with Ivar. Uh, due to injury, we're getting one-on-one instead of a two-out-of-three tag match. Uh, and for what feels like a very low-stakes match, Justin, these guys burned it down. I felt like they were on a PLE here. Uh, Ivar, is he the next big thing? Well, I don't know about that, but he certainly was given opportunity. You know, he maximized the minutes, right? He's always in a tag team situation, but you know, here you get a chance. We got to you got to go one on one, and um, uh, I know Eric, his partner, who wasn't there. I know he's a good. I've I've I've, I've worked with him. I've seen him in, in the independent scene, so I know that he can go out there and can work a match as a singles if asked. You know, too. I am not as familiar with Ivar, um, so seeing him go out there and you know, I mean, the the way the crowd popped, both the anticipation as he's getting himself to the top rope and, and then and then the execution of the moonsault uh and then all the stuff that led up to that i mean the crowd did not lie uh they were into this for 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 what's somewhat of a you know i mean there's for it's it's kind of somewhat random you don't show up there thinking you're going to see Ivar in a singles one-on-one match against Kofi that's just you know cuz just cuz we don't see the viking raiders in singles matches this exceeded expectations and like you said it kind of felt like a ple kind of 
quality match. Um, so for those who watch or listen to this podcast and truly rely on us to steer you uh, into what chapter of Raw to go check out and not fast forward you through, I would certainly recommend watching this match because it is very entertaining. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt, the of course, once Triple H took over, there was a lot of credit given to him over the stories that were being told and the way narratives were being presented. And I think for a good reason, they've been great. But something that also seems to have happened, matches like this, where like we kind of take for granted, Raw's been putting on, Raw and SmackDown had just been putting on banger matches regularly, even if it's between two guys who maybe you don't think of as being the two guys that are going to put on a, a banger match. I mean, they're great wrestlers, but let's be honest, this is kind of a throwaway match in the grand scheme of things, but this was fantastic. Yeah, you alluded to it. They got some time, right? They got some time. Kofi's always good. Um, Ivar and uh, Ray Rowe, you know, like they are really good wrestlers, right? And I know, like, if you ever meet Ray Rowe, dude is a Viking for real. He loves Vikings. When I met him, and Sarah Logan, they were talking about they're having a Viking wedding. And you have never seen two more excited people in the world, in the world, to talk about their Viking wedding, right? But just because you like Vikings, maybe doesn't mean you should be Vikings. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's a very almost dead on arrival gimmick to me. And they do their best, bless them, because they're, man, Ivar's great. Ray Rowe is really good, really good tag team. But it's never come off sincere. It takes you out. And when you have matches like this, it's just a reminder. Oh, yeah, dude, Ivar is like, Ivar is one of the best big men maybe ever. Like, he is fantastic. But you don't see it because of this very cheesy, hokey gimmick. You know, they're, they're Vikings. Like, are they really Vikings? Are they people that love being Vikings? Do they have real names? Like, there's no other gimmick like it in WWE. They're, they're very outliers. So, uh, it's very easy to forget how good they are. Kofi's always great. Not surprised they had a great match when they had time because they're both really good. Yeah, Matt, you said something that has always been one of my issues with the Viking Raiders. I love the Viking Raiders as a team. I love them in NXT. I thought they, they were fantastic. And I don't know why, but once they came to the main roster, that is to what you're alluding to where I started having the questions of, so wait, do they know what a cell phone is? Like, are they actual Viking Vikings or are they people dressing up as Vikings? Like, did they get here on a boat? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, do they eat just like big, you know, big drumsticks? You know, like, I don't know. Right. am I supposed to believe they drove here in a car or, which sounds silly to say, but because you don't ever hear them really act normal or say, I, I don't really know how to gauge. It's, 
It's what very Duke doing. the Dumpster Drossy, right? It's very like, is this a garbage man who like wrestles in a garbage man gimmick? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and same yeah. with these. <laughs> this guy loves me garbage man so much. He wants to wrestle as a garbage man, you know. And same with the Viking Raiders. Like, what's the story? Because everybody else looks like a person, you know. Right, and I think that's what it is. Because again, I don't know why in NXT for some reason it just never bothered me when they were in NXT, and and that's I don't know why. Maybe it's the presentation. It's like, oh yeah, they're the well, in, in NXT. Weren't they still War Raiders? Yeah, they were War so Raiders. That, so so I think, and I think that while they might have, you know, I think there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't the the push of Viking. Viking wasn't in your face, as Matt said. It becomes dead on arrival. There was just, you know, these it was just these guys. They might have had a little bit more of a different kind of appearance. They might have, you know, not dressed like normal, but they just calling them war raiders just felt like okay here's two badasses that are going to cause destruction that uh, could probably you know survive the apocalypse but here you have like matt said it's just it kind of it, it brings you back to early 90s occupational wwe where it's how do you, you know, like how do you take it seriously even though to his point you know there's there's some there's some real influence and, and interest from uh, from Valhalla and from from Eric, but it it doesn't it's it comes off too cartoonish in the way that WWE presents it. Yeah, especially in a world where, uh, as Matt, as I believe you alluded to, the, there's no one else like that. It's not like we're in the world where there is an Undertaker and uh, an acolytes and there's and different- no Norseman to feud with, bro. Like it's just you <laughs> out there, man. That's just that's it. Yeah. It's just you. Like there ain't no Greek gods. There's nobody. It's just you and real people. Yeah. So it just it feels out of place i guess um we get ricochet versus shinsuke nakamura first ricochet cuts an interview uh saying he's not going to be a pawn uh then when nakamura comes out seth rollins interrupts his entrance and security has to separate the two we finally get the match it's a heated one eventually nakamura is about to use a chair but ricochet avoids it and uses the chair himself getting dq'd ricochet is upset he lost and then he gets attacked by nakamura uh, after destroying Ricochet's leg, Rollins comes out to make the save, but he gets his back messed up and security separates the two again. Later, Rollins says that he's taking his hands off the wheel and Shinsuke can name the time and the place. Matt, this, I feel like individually, I liked every piece of this, but it feels like there's a lot of stuff that happened in here. I feel like this is where uh, Jimmy Corderas would use one of his famous lines, uh, 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound bag. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff. It is starting to work for me. Like at first it's like, why would the challenger refuse a match? But he's playing head games. He's playing the long game to get the match. I don't know what Ricochet's doing in there. I I have no idea, except he is being used precisely as a pawn. It's interesting with Ricochet. It's like, I watch him. And I'm like, that's not the same dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, the guy that I used to watch named Ricochet before WWE, mm-hmm. dude, that guy was amazing. I can't even tell, I guess, the WWE style or whatever. And I'm like, man, I wonder if he'd left WWE if he would go back to being as good as he was or if he's just going to wrestle this style forever. Because I can see why the fans don't get behind him. I can see why the company doesn't get behind him. He's not that appealing as presented now. But let's not forget, there was a time where Ricochet was thought of as maybe the greatest wrestler in the world. Yeah, Justin, I I keep I I'm behind Ricochet. I want Ricochet to do well, but I I just every time he's in a situation, it's like maybe this is his opportunity. Do you think this is Ricochet's opportunity to ascend, or is he just a pawn in this situation? 
Yeah, he's just a pawn. I mean, I, I think we can go back over the history of the last 20 years and you can find guys who, you know, have some crazy athleticism, uh, ha- have ability and they get kind of you know, like, like I think like there was a period of time briefly, like Evan Bourne was like got the t- team with John Cena. And so, yeah, like there's and there's other examples as you go through, if we really sat down and went through the encyclopedia, I, I think, you know, Ricochet, you know, yeah, to, to kind of to Matt's point, you know, he, maybe some things have changed up. I think the biggest thing probably that that, that falters him, and we kind of saw it unfortunately in his biggest chance to shine, which was the the, the the program with Logan Paul. He can't really talk you into the building. He is somebody. If you have somebody who over in the room who's not watched pro wrestling a lot, you know, you want them to see Ricochet. I mean, you know, every time my wife walks in the room, she, you know, if she sees Ricochet doing something, she normally you know has a an O or you know gas whatever you know, because he does some impressive things, but he. He doesn't talk into the into the into the building. I don't feel you know. I mean, hell, the entire build to that match with he and Logan Paul was all about just doing something that was going to go viral. But even even verbally, Logan Paul really kind of punked out Ricochet. Uh, yeah. So I just think I think he's a pawn. I, I think he's I think he's there. I think he's a good attraction to to kids. I think he's a good attraction for if you want somebody to see the athleticism and and see what these guys can do. But he you know he's not going to be doing any commercials or crossover or anything like that. He just doesn't come off that way. Um, he just doesn't come off that way. So, you know, he just, especially when you have a big personality like Seth Rollins out there, you know, I don't believe at all Shinsuke is going to take this title from Seth Rollins, but I feel like they're giving us at least the best presentation of Shinsuke and trying to make him be serious and make him come off and look like a threat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ricochet's a pawn, but there's, there's no other way around it. I, I think one of the things that made this seem messy to me was that I don't understand why Nakamura didn't just get the win instead of the DQ win and then attack. Like, it wasn't like, ricochet got one up at the end either it was just i don't know it's a weird well and that rick and, rico- and ricochet is the face too so for him to him to be the one that gets disqualified because he used the chair yeah yeah i, th- I think it's to show that shinsuke is the king of mind games mm-hmm. and that Ooh. he can get even the level-headed cool you know very one note talking ricochet to snap you know but like on the show The Wire, they said pawns stay pawns forever. They never become kings. And I think that, unfortunately, is the case with Ricochet and WWE. I'm glad he's included because I like to see him have, have some screen time. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, like, I like what they're doing with Seth. And I can't wait till it moves on to something else. Uh, as we move on, before we do, uh, yes, boy, I, see, I just want you to know I see your super chat. I'm going to wait till we get back to some more of the Dom stuff. Uh, to talk about it so we can keep the show flowing. Uh, but for now, we're going to talk about Chelsea Green and Piper Niven versus Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. Uh, Chelsea tells Brian that she and Piper are besties, but doesn't even know where Piper's from. We get to the match, and it's cooking when Nia Jax comes out and destroys everyone. And as she leaves, she says it's open season. Uh, Justin, something I'm noticing about Nia Jax and her random attacks here is that it seems like she's always taking out the more dominant wrestlers, whether it be Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, now it's a Shayna Baszler, uh, a Piper Niven, uh, the all the people that everyone else would say they're not going to mess with. No, yeah, no, I mean I think she's two and zero in terms of uh, you know grabbing attention, seeing you know stealing the scene of being out there. Uh, this time, this this week was body count. Um, you know, hopefully I, I assume it's all story. I think we probably would have heard otherwise, but I mean, you know, I like that fact, you know, last, this, this time last week we were talking about, 
you know, Nia and, and a reputation of, you know, is she safe in the ring? How is she perceived by the fans? How is she perceived by her peers? So I thought by giving Rhea a week off, we assume giving her a week off, but in storyline saying that she's been injured by Nia, uh, that's a great, you know, impact for Nia's re-debut to the company. And also, again, it kind of, you know, trolls at the fans saying, oh, you know, Nia hurt her. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's 2-0 for Nia so far. Uh, again, as long as everybody at Legit is okay and we're all working, I think the presentation otherwise has been has been good. Uh, Matt, Baby Ice with an interesting comment here saying, Nia Jax is taking revenge on everyone who eliminated her in this year's Rumble. I honestly can't remember who all the people were that <laughs> eliminated her from the Rumble. So uh, I'm going to take your word for it, Baby Ice. Um, uh, is, uh, is Nia Jax working for you, Matt? No. I mean, here's the thing is that I think I alluded to it last week. I don't know anything about wrestling. I've never been in the ring. I've never taken a bump. Um, but I do get concerned when not when Nijax touches wrestlers and throws wrestlers around. I've seen people get hurt, you know? And so when I see Shayna, okay. But I see her grab someone like Chelsea, who's someone who's had some injuries in the past. And I wince. Like, I'm worried about what's going to happen. And it looked a little bit like Chelsea was wincing, too. Like, I... I I hope, like last week when she hit Chel- uh, hit Rhea with that bonsai drop, bro, like that was not the same bonsai drop she gave uh, Shayna this week. This one was a lot more careful. I just worry that uh, someone's going to get hurt. And also, I don't necessarily think she's the one to be going through this women's division like that. If they would have just waited like one month and done all of this with Jade Cargill, oh my God, I'd be much happier. Uh, Justin, what do you, where do you think this leads for Nia Jax is this building to an eventual Rhea Ripley showdown or do we not know where this is going yet uh I don't of course when Rhea comes back on TV she's gonna have a bone to pick with Nia but I think it's interesting they're letting Nia come back and run and she's attacking heels she's attacking faces so um you know they might it might, it might be tabled it might be you know they table and we get back to Rhea and Nia eventually but I don't know necessarily if that's Nia's first I don't know if Rhea is Nia's first premium live event match, let's put it that way. You know, they, they they might try to buy it some time of really building Nia back up and letting her go through some people to then try to make her uh, a real credible challenger for Rhea and Rhea's title, maybe in an event like a Survivor Series, uh, if, if, if you know, because they do have obviously singles matches at that event still. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I mean, it seems like they are committed, at least in these first two weeks, to having her, uh, who knows? She might continue to go through and plow through people, and then a Jay Cargo does show up. And that's an easy way to get a pop on a J. I mean, I you know I don't know, but I mean, I think I think I don't think that it's an immediate. We're going right to Nia and Rhea because again, if you do that, that we then draw the question of well, what well, what what are we doing with Rhea? Which side of the fence she's on? She's still in the and she's still in the top heel group that is Judgment Day. She still has a, you know, a top heel boyfriend and Dirty Tom. Like so, I think there's some complications there that have to be uh, sorted through. But um, yeah, Nia Nia's on a tear and and and. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll keep watching. I'll see what's happening. Uh, Jay Uso is talking to Jackie, but Damian Priest interrupts to say Judgment Day is picking up an Uso, and Priest says, "Don't make me look bad. Give us a yes or no by the end of the night." Later, Jay approaches Sammy and KO, and Jay says, "Don't talk about me behind my back." And Sammy says, "Everyone needs to cool it, and good luck with your decision tonight, uh, Matt." I love when there is a story that is told throughout an episode that has stakes to it. And this is such a simple 
way to do that. And the stakes are simple, but I'm, I was invested throughout the show. How did you like these segments and how they told the story? So many times in the past when you have a storyline, especially the past, let's say, 15 years, you have a storyline, you either know it's going to happen or you just know it's not going to go anywhere good. You're like, man, I've seen this before. It's <laughs> going to be this or it's going to be that. That's what's going to be. These segments, I don't really know what's going to happen. And I'm kind of interested to see either way. So it is. It is. it crushes my eternal wrestling pessimism and cynicism. And I'm glad to see it. That's what the bloodline did too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going, wow, this is a story. This is, I want to see what's going to happen. And guess what? I kind of wanted to see what was going to happen. You know, on a three-hour Raw, which is hard to do. Yeah, Justin, this is, it's really kind of a magical thing that, when you have a situation where you don't know which way Jay is going to go, but I'm already kind of fantasy booking both ways. And it feels like no matter what Jay does, I'm going to be okay with it. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, we, 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 uh, earlier in the, in the night when there's an opening, opening, um, promo, I love the line that was said, I think it was by Kevin Owens, how Jay Uso is just one, uh, what do you say? One, one eye, sh- eye shadow or, 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 yes. or whatever line away from being in the judgment day. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I could remember the line verbatim. I'm not doing it justice yeah. by not being able to recite it verbatim, but it was good. Um, no, like, it'll kind of just finishing what Matt was saying. I, 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 I agree. Um, this, and we've seen, we, we've seen different little spurts, uh, you know, spurts of this beyond the bloodline in the past year. And a lot of that has been when Triple H is the one who is day to day there in the in the weeds, as Vince would say. It does get me concerned that you know we're hearing more of Vince, you know, calling in more, more. You know, he's getting more involved. At least it's at least it's becoming known he's being more involved in changes and things are creative because that's where that's where you you muck up and you don't get to follow through on these stories when you start changing and rearranging. But when you have a plan and you kind of have you know in pro wrestling, the best thing you can do is it book know where it's going to end and then book backwards. And if that can be held true and, and, and we can, you know, follow this out, then I agree. There, there's a lot of intrigue in, uh, of where all these different characters and dynamics can go. I just hope that they can stay, they stay true to it and we don't start, you know, can't, you know, rewriting stuff for the sake of, you know, quick, you know, one week, um, you know, one, one week attention spans of, oh, we got to do this this week and, and then to throw all this off course. Because I, I agree, it's, it's, it's kind of intriguing to have all these characters and, again, the, the dynamics and how they're all intersecting. And it's well, interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry, but no, no, go ahead. It is interesting that wherever you see this, you see Sammy and Kevin. They're really good at this. They're really good at getting all these points across and about conveying emotion and conveying indecision and conveying worry and and fear and happiness. They're really good at this. And both of these, uh, Judgment Day and Bloodline, Sammy and Kevin. You think about Kevin was very involved in that Bloodline and getting everything over, and he's helping a lot here. You know, uh, we can have a whole discussion on it, but I always say when people talk about like, could this guy be the top person in a company or could this be the guy and things like that? I always say to myself, can they do this? The things, Matt, that you just alluded to, can they express concern and fear and convey these different emotions and tell these different stories? Because just being good in the ring or saying good words in a promo in this day and age, isn't it? You got to be able to take things to a different level and, that's what these guys can do, and that's why the bloodline's been so popular. Well, and to the point of Kevin Owens, and we can forever say this and hold it to his resume, Kevin Owens is the guy that got Stone Cold Steve Austin after 20 years to come out and be willing to have 
a match at WrestleMania. I mean, they, they they were kind of very careful in the phrasing. They didn't so much say match. They kind of talked about fight. You know, you didn't. But you know, and, and Kevin largely did that on his own. You know, I mean, Austin had one like you know pre-tape announcement, kind of you know officially accepting the challenge. But I mean, it was largely Kevin Owens doing monologues to a camera with emotion and and whining and intensity and did all that. And then, of course, they went out there and both, and of course, especially a credit to Steve at his age, they went out there and delivered. You know, they, they Steve did not look like an old man. It did not look like it was like a a cheap, you know, phone in that you might see from a fifty year old legend on the indie circuit. You know, doing just his three signature moves. So I think forever we could hold hold that to say Kevin Owens. It, to your point of that question of can you can you be a top guy? Kevin Owens can certainly hold a top spot and do all all of those you know key things. One hundred percent. Uh, we move on to Chad Gable, who asks Adam Pierce for another shot at Gunther, but Bronson Reed shows up and says that Chad Gable needs to get to the back of the line. So they decide to have a match. Big clash of styles here. Uh, but size of Reed is just too much, and Bronson Reed gets the win. Justin, I feel like this was a. I feel like you got to be conflicted here because I feel like you're a fan of both of these guys. Was this a surprise? Was this an upset though that Bronson got the win? Uh, I'm a fan of both guys, but I have it written right here in my notes. Upset. That's an upset to me. I mean, Chad, I know Chad Gable came up short in conquering and getting that IC title, but he still has, he's been on a hell of a singles role in the way he's been presented. And obviously, you know, we've talked about Bronson Reed, you know, trying to find what the track is for him. I think this is an upset. I think this is a sign of, again, if we stay consistent to our booking and we don't start having crazy last-minute changes, I think this is a sign that we're going to start seeing Bronson Reed having, again, matches every week, and and it's going to be – there's going to be a purpose. There's going to be a point. There's going to be an objective of, okay, we're starting to build him up uh, as a heel that's going to rise to the ranks. I Absolutely upset. Where do you think this is going, Matt? Because he's facing Otis next week. My, my first thought, and we'll get into a, a promo that happened a little bit later – but my first thought is, does this mean he's Gunther's next guy? Because he just beat the guy that almost beat Gunther. But that doesn't seem to be where it's going. Where do you think this is going with Reed? Is this just heating him back up for whatever may be next? Or do you think they have a plan for him? I think it's heating him up to go against Gunther. I think he goes through uh, uh, Otis this week. And, you know, um, he seems to be the guy. Like, they don't seem to have anybody else. And as far as poor Chad Gable goes, you know, we were talking last week what he should do. I think uh, Mr. Adam Pierce, uh, what he said was like a shoot comment. He is the back of the line, man, because he lost. Like, man, it's like um, last week, you know, they could have made a choice. This week, they could have made a choice. But each of the choices they made these two weeks to find down Chad Gable and just kind of showed what he did that one time was a flash of the pan. They might have plans for him, but I wouldn't bet on it. I would bet his daughter cried uh, for no reason. Oh, that's that's heartbreaking when you phrase it like that. But you might be right. I, I mean, mean I, there I was hope... not a dry eye in the Gable house tonight. I'll tell you that much. No, no, Matt. It wasn't for nothing. In 10 years from now, she's going to be training and she's going to get to the performance center. It's going to be like a dirty dom situation. She's going to be coming into the business and we're going to be able to call back in the video archives to this moment. And I uh, don't know. It's, it's all it's all a long play. Long play. Long term booking call. It's very long term <laughs> play. Uh, Becky Lynch is walking in the back and runs into Akira Tazawa, who gives a great fist bump, by the way. Uh, she then cuts a promo about wanting to elevate the NXT title. So she's going to defend the title against just anyone, apparently. 
Natalia comes out and cuts a great promo, and we get a match with Becky Lynch getting the win. Matt, if this was another company, this is AEW. I, I, we cover AEW, and I hear all the time. Too many titles. Why is Ring of Honor defending titles on Dynamite, et cetera, et cetera? Yet here I am on Monday Night Raw watching an NXT title get defended. Do we need to have the same energy for this situation as we do when AEW has Ring of Honor on their shows? Uh, probably more because NXT, although Ring of Honor is not undefined as far as its relationship to AEW, as far as stature, NXT is clearly a developmental title. It's cool she won it, but what's it doing on the main roster? I will say the too many titles thing. I'm an old person who used to watch world-class wrestling and Crockett wrestling. They had a lot of titles, and they had not that many wrestlers. Like, they had like 30 wrestlers and nine titles. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's not really the titles. It, it is, you know, watch the first Starcade. Like, every single match has a title, you know? Um, so it's not about the titles so much. It's about, I don't know. I don't think Natalia Neidhart should be battling Becky Lynch for the NXT title. Like, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. I'm going to do an open challenge, and this young upstart who's never got her shot, Natalia, comes out. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Justin, I agree with everything Matt just said, but I want to also get your thoughts on this, uh, as well as I want to get your thoughts on the promo. I felt like this was a, a hell of a promo by Natalia here. She had pa all the things you're talking about with Kevin Owens. She had passion. She had fire. She felt like she was really into it. Uh, thoughts on that as well as NXT title being defended on raw. Yeah. I mean, Natalia is the ultimate company woman. I mean, she, she, she's, she can, and she has done it all. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's unfortunate that every time that she's in a, a program of feud, I kind of feel like she's just there to help, you know, elevate or, or be a kind of a test for the office to say, Hey, is, is so-and-so ready? Or, you know, like, I don't feel like they're ever, you know, they haven't done it yet. They're never going to give her the ball and let her run with it. I mean, and she's from the Hart family for Christ's sake. So, um, and from what I understand, she wasn't even the first, she, this was a change. She wasn't originally the one slated to even answer this challenge. Um, so take all that for whatever it's worth. You know, it, it's funny you asked about the titles. Cause I found myself asking myself the same thing while I was watching, you know, we saw, Dom out there early in the night and Dragon Lee's in the crowd and they're promoting that match on Raw next week. The Dragon Lee's is, is, is and, you know, and then we have this title now with Becky. Because I found myself, because I'm often critical about, I'm like, the ROH titles being on Dynamite, it, it, it you know, muddies up and I, and it's a few things. Some, I think, I think some of it's apples to apples and then some is apples to oranges. It depends on what, what we're talking about. I think the apples to oranges is I don't mind seeing some of the NXT title crossover one, when you have somebody like Becky Lynch, who's made of Animania, so okay, she's holding this title. So I, I, I guess the idea is for the rub, and so she's holding the title. I know who Becky Lynch is. Where my, where it's apples to oranges there because when I see AEW have some ROH people come on holding ROH titles, they're people that are very unknown. There's no backstory. That's most of the audience doesn't know who they are unless you're a part of the hardcore niche. So that's the apples to oranges. But um, it's also apples to oranges on Dynamite's two hours. They rush and throw twenty pounds to ten pounds. Raw does have three hours. They do have more time. Uh, but it is fair to say that, you know, it, NXT is still developmental. Uh, while I like them trying to do the crossover, it, it, it can be confusing to an audience member, especially if you're more casual and you're like, well, wait a minute, Becky Lynch was, again, she's been main event at WrestleMania. Now she's going on this small, you know, NXT studio wrestling with a million dollar budget. Why is she on that? You know, so there is, there is some disconnect. I, 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 
I will acknowledge that, that this is a little bit of um, it's an interesting situation to to let this play out. Um, so I'll, I'll see. Natalia's promo is great, but I, I am going to watch and see because I, I I think you could run the risk of having too many titles in there. But kind of what Matt was alluding to, if you make if you do if you do the right job of building up, even if it's just a two week build to a match. You know, you have a Dragon Lee in the in the front row scouting, and you make a big deal that he's fighting Dom for this title next week on Raw. If the titles matter, if they, if you can make them mean something to the fans, then it's a, then it is a different scenario. That is again probably one of my complaints again with the ROH on AEW is I feel everything is just thrown together. It's darts going against a wall because it's Tony Khan trying to make you know the, the the sexiest matchmaking, but there's not necessarily a story or an emotional investment behind it. I will say one of the things that WWE does here is they do use it to try to promote what's going to happen on NXT, which is a smart move there. And, and it's working. And it's working. The numbers are going up. Yeah, it, number, numbers don't lie. Uh, it is interesting, though, uh, Matt, to your point, the um, this title that's about building the future, and you have two like industry veterans who have been a part of WWE forever fighting for the title. Uh, why is it, Matt, I'll just throw this to you, why is it every time someone says they want to raise the prestige of a title, their first thing they do is, I'm just going to defend it against whoever walks out through the curtain next? That feels like the opposite. That feels like it, everybody gets a shot. It's one of these things. I was talking to a AW executive today about their the insistence on using music when people walk out. Like, we were having this DM debate, you know? It's one of these tropes we're used to as wrestling fans. But if you're not a wrestling fan, if you're casual, it takes you out completely. You know, mm -hmm. like, why, did the heel... Did the heel stop by and ask the sound guy and video guy to set his stuff out to do a run in to stop the finisher? No. He did. How did I want to? I want to do an open challenge. You know, I was teasing uh, the FTR guys. Like, you know, what is the FT, uh, They have an open challenge. Like, what's the process? Is it a race to the door? You know, <laughs> right. give give us something. I'm not. Give us some kind of way to believe. Don't make us feel stupid. Like, give us a way to believe and give fans who are trying it. Not that moment where they see Vikings in the ring or they hear music start for no reason or they see, oh, well, they are doing – sometimes they'll do a three-week build for someone to get a title shot. A guy carries around a case for a nine months to get a title shot, but yet, open challenge, boom. You know, a little continuity would be nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's just one of those things – I feel like that's the first thing everyone does when they say they want to build up a title is open challenge. Matt, let me ask you this. I, I, I'm curious to your opinion. Would you prefer the open challenge of all the and all the faults that you just outlined there, of, of of who gets to the door first, who can get the sound guy to hit play? Which one's worse, that or the okay? You have to beat the champion in a non-title match, and then that makes you the number one contender. That's worse. That's absolutely worse. It goes against all my instinct and everything I was told as a wrestling fan growing up. If you beat the title, the champion in a non-title, think about if you were like in uh, in the Super Bowl or something, and you had to beat the champions to face the champions, bro, you're the champions. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're the champion. There's no like in boxing, the best parallel, right? If you if you have to beat Floyd Mayweather to face Floyd Mayweather, people be calling you the champion. You know? <laughs> yeah. That plus the idea is you want to pay to see the champion lose, not oh I saw him lose. Let's see if they lose again. It takes uh, but, it, especially the heel, uh, the heel who it usually happens to. You yeah. know, I would say though, terrible booking, Jack here. I almost forget the match. I want to see everyone rushing the curtain and see them all fighting to see who gets to go out first. I want to see that whole scenario play out of every. 
open challenge. Ah, and just I think the way it works is kind of they all go to Vince's office, and the last one to sneeze gets the match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got uh, a couple more segments here. Dom and Dragon Lee, they have a, a quick stare down, and Dom is mad Nia Jax isn't being punished and actually makes a good point there. Uh, and they're going to have a match next week for the North American title. This is where Yes Boy gets rewarded for being so patient with the Super Chat. I appreciate you saying, and Justin, we'll throw this to you. A way to break up Dom and Rhea that would make Rhea more over and Dom gets nuclear heat is what if we find out Dom has been cheating on Rhea and she lays him out, but who would be the other female gents? Justin, I'll throw that to you. What if Dirty Dom was getting freaky with new hire Jade Cargill? That, I don't know. I, was, I don't know. I, I, I just again, Jay's popular on the tongue right yeah. now. Uh, but no. But actually, but 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 uh, to Yes Boy's uh, point, and thank you very much for that. Super, that was very generous. Uh, I I do think again. I said earlier. I I would. I eventually. I feel like it's create. It's easy creative fodder to have the you know to to get a little sports entertainment in here and have the wedding between these two eventually. Uh, and of course, you know, no wedding ever. You know. <laughs> goes without issues uh and so that would be that would be that would be one avenue that would allow you to continue to babyface Rhea, which the fans seem to be trending towards wanting to cheer her you know she's just she's just so interesting she's so good she's there's a there's a air uh, an aura of unknown and mystery about her and, and dare i say even like a little bit of a sex appeal about it. like I, I feel like she's she's getting more cheers and they all want to see her just kick this little twerp to the curb so I feel like that would be very on par to babyface her and to, you know, double down on his heat that he that he talks about oh mommy 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 and meanwhile he's he, he slid into somebody else's DMs along the way. So I, I don't think that's a bad uh, booking, a uh, very uh, preliminary level booking pitch. Uh, and then yeah, in terms of who the who the woman is, I, I think that that would lend itself for it to be somebody new, and that somebody new would then be somebody who uh is is challenging to Rhea. So uh maybe 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 who knows maybe yes boy just uh maybe we just started booking a uh a, a road to mania situation feud here. We got a few suggestions Liv Morgan Nia Jax uh I, I like Jade though because Jade yeah. is it's gotta be someone that Rhea's threatened by. Yeah it needs to be uh, no disrespect to Liv uh and I and I love I'm a huge fan of her as a as, as a performer and a person, but you need somebody physically of 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 of, of threatening stature to, to yeah. Rhea. Yeah, that's that's what I would think, anyways. Um, but uh, Matt, any uh, any thoughts on that? You want to fantasy book anything? Yeah, I do actually. Um, what if it was uh, Finn Balor? Like, what if he cheated on Rhea with Finn Balor? It's twenty twenty three. Yeah, you want to make the news? Let's make the news. You know what I'm saying? Oh boy, you want to get viral? Yeah. Let's get viral. Oh boy, let's make it a normal thing in this world. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 2023. Can you imagine? I'm just saying. Definitely, they'll never do that in a million years. But uh, probably, you know, Naya. Naya seems to be the right choice uh, for that because I, I Jade does not need uh, Dom to start out with. You know, Jade can be. Uh, have the creative uh, that she's going to have without b involving Dom. So I think Naya is perfect. I think everyone hates Naya. Oh my God, Naya and Dominic together. Just imagine them coming out like the king and queen of the world. Yeah. And for the record, me saying, oh boy, to Matt's suggestion, that's not me. That's not <laughs> me saying, oh boy, in, right. in a, in a yeah. homophobic. It's me saying, oh boy, whenever WWE has flirted 
with doing a male gay storyline. It has not gone well. Yeah, that's my oh boy. I have nothing yeah. against. Don't you dare besmirch yeah. Chuck and Billy. Yeah. <laughs> but notice what happened, though. It's 2023. Like, 2023, Chuck and Billy guy was in the ring when the fans chanted, he is gay, he is gay, to Anthony Bowens in a positive way, mm -hmm. clapping out of their seats, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, you know, maybe it's time to think that things like that might happen. And Finn might be the guy for that, too. So, you know, who knows? Oh, Nikita Lyons is another one that they're throwing out there. That's not bad, actually. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh, we got Tommaso Ciampa saying that he's sick of being patient and Gunther has what he wants, so he gets a quick win over Vinci, making him tap, and Gunther's not happy about it. Uh, Matt, what are the odds Ciampa becomes the next Intercontinental Champion? 0, 0. Um, it's It's, you know, but... Hunter always liked Ciampa. Like, Hunter, uh, Ciampa's definitely a Hunter guy, you know, and I'm not sure where he stands now. Don't we all just want to see DIY get back together? Isn't that what we all want to see? I feel like that's what a lot of the people, at least on my Twitter timeline, want. And I feel like they could use tag teams. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Yeah, this is, I mean, yeah, it'd be good to see Ciampa get some airtime. You know, like Matt said, he's, he's, he's somebody that Triple H likes. But, uh, yeah, this is just, to me, this is just buying time and extending weeks of, of Gunther's title run again until we get positioned towards a big event whether it's survivor series whether it's rumble uh for him to have the a, a real threatening challenger where he could potentially have his have his title run in because like i said on this program on this podcast i fully can book him in mania not as ic champion but in mania having a match against like a brock lesnar you know i don't think tomasa champ is going to win the ic title but I would love to see those two have a big match with time to to make it happen. They had Bernie saying they had one in NXT. I feel like I remember that, but I can't for some reason. Like I feel like that stats right, but for some reason I can't remember the match. I I, I know I I trust Bernie. I'm sure he's he's like he's like our official stat Tony Reilly stat boy on here. I trust him. I I don't remember it off the top of my head, but but that but that's to the point of where it was done in front of a much smaller audience so it, it's it could be a fresh it's it's a, a, a lot of us fairly were out of nxt by the time that happened once once the multicolored came in a lot of us were out <laughs> nxt shook a lot of people when they made that very rough transition but to their defense it's shaken out as it's starting to become it's starting to won both viewership and it's starting to like translated and they are actually doing the best practice and simulation of what it's going to be for you to be on raw and smackdown oh it's fantastic now it's it's a great show now i yeah. think um but it's uh it was just that first transition was very it was rough it was a rough switch um well we and they say you know they switched nights and they you know they were getting beat by aid i mean it, there was a lot of optics and things that didn't go well for them at the time um we we moved to drew mcintyre versus jay uso uh, Drew Mack in white is uh, has to listen to the fans chant for Jay Uso, even though Drew fought for these fickle people for four years. How dare you all? But Drew's beating up Jay when Judgment Day comes out. The match continues, and Judgment Day tries to help Jay Uso. So Jay attacks the Judgment Day and eats a claymore for his trouble and gets pinned post match. Judgment Day attacks Jay. Drew has his thoughts of helping, but never does. Eventually, Cody comes out and makes the save. Uh, Justin, this was a a story they built to all night, and I feel like they not only 
let me eat, but they also left me hungry for more. Yeah, I mean, back to earlier, what what we were all saying. Um, I appreciate the story that that that's that's being you know woven and weaving through this entire night and this entire episode, and then week to week. I will say this feels like a I mean a great build to like what should be like a Survivor Series payoff of like the Judgment Day you know versus these guys that you know jay Uso's controversial and all these dynamics of these other baby faces but we're you know we're still you know two months away from survivor series so i i'm curious again to what the you know the next the next ple is um early october so i'm just i'm curious to what the exact uh outline and what check, business you know. does a good story have in late september you right exactly <laughs> we're you're getting killed by football what are you doing phone it in <laughs> The uh, that that's your it's your point. It's funny. This is usually just the doldrums of storytelling. It's usually just you got to grit your teeth getting through this part of the year, typically with pro wrestling. But now we've got The Rock showing up. John Cena's hanging out. Jade Cargill maybe showed up. They're actually doing some big stuff right now. And I think the tease of Drew McIntyre, what he's going to do next. Jay Uso now picking a side, but I feel like there's more to be told there. I don't forget like, about don't forget about CM Punk's going to return to Survivor Series in Chicago, and CM Punk is going to take the title off of Roman Reigns at uh, Survivor Series. I mean, there's a lot going on, Matt. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I think with uh, I, <laughs> that, that was so sincere. Uh, <laughs> I think that was delivered perfectly, by the way. Matt. I think with Triple H, Triple H's term as the head of creative and in charge of bringing people back and stuff, it wasn't a long term, but it made a lasting impact in that I think people who aren't Triple H saw the effect it had and are kind of keeping up that thing is the same thing going like they saw wow look at the numbers that this kind of storyline brings in i like money let's keep making money right so they're 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 the same process that maybe triple h get in uh, brought in i think they're probably still using and other people are getting the credit this uh this last segment uh it wasn't i've seen hotter ending endings of raws uh but I don't know if I've seen a better written one. Like, it was so many moving parts, yet nothing was too complicated. Everything rang true. You had a little tiny, tiny double turn with Drew and Jey Uso right in the middle of it. You had Cody coming out to be the guy. Everything really worked really, really well. We know where Jay stands, you know, but meanwhile, Drew is kind of newly minted as, as this guy who... Not only has resentments, but won't do the right thing. Man, they knocked it out of the park, A-plus, because, again, what's the low point? Like 10 years ago? 10 years ago, a segment of that, like that, that if they tried to do it, it would have been terrible. It would have been the worst thing we ever saw. They have the details worked out. They have the actors worked out. The talent is performing perfectly. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do. Uh, man, it, it told a story. I was, I was actually impressed yeah and it's it's something that i think every character came out looking more interesting afterwards as well it wasn't just like well someone had to lose we're going to forget about them the guy that won is now the star it was i'm interested to see how drew reacts next week there's a tag team match with i'm sure the implications of this main event are going to impact it next week there's 
that this doesn't mean that Kevin Owens is one over, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that's still just sitting there that I'm very interested in seeing. This was, yeah, I, I just, I think it was awesome. I, I would say the low point was that moment. The the McMahons had to come out and say they were sorry about how bad it was. <laughs> you know? that, and by the way, Baron Corbin's a piece of crap. Like what? <laughs> they totally threw poor Baron Corbin under the bus. Like, like that it was his guy. idea. Yeah. <laughs> poor Baron Corbin, but uh that uh that covers the show that was everything um everyone in the chat let me know what you thought uh of the show but uh justin let me know your overall thoughts and uh, where can the world find you online yeah overall i thought it was um it was, it was pretty okay raw you know like there was again there's a lot as we talked about a lot of dynamics a lot of stories are being built characters being built a lot of fantasy booking that can be done uh for again a mid-september show i mean they they are they are putting more effort <laughs> towards it than we've seen in the past so um you know certainly a lot of things to watch for at Justin Labar across the socials monday i'm here wednesday i'm here friday i'll bust it open on sirius xm also hit me up on the socials i'll I, i'll give more information many of you have followed me for many years dating back to my chair shot reality days a lot of times i'm always in the suit uh, my wonderful uh uh stylist uh and fashion designer david allen been with him since the ground floor up introduce him to some of the people in the WWE world. He took that and exploded. He is now John Cena's personal stylist. We have another David Allen fashion show coming up here in Pittsburgh next month where you can buy tickets into a 10. It is a hell of a guest list between the pro wrestlers and the athletes and the actors that are going to be part of this and myself <laughs> very out of class, but I'll be there sharing the stage. If you want some details, hit me up on socials at Justin Labar, and I will let you know how you can buy tickets or how you can watch it fashion show next month the david allen fashion show it's going to be um it, it's going to be one that you want to you want to check out and then if you do have a love uh, for looking your best fashion wise i can show you a lot of the new products that they got coming out for uh men's fashion so uh, man that's pitch. i gotta fly out to pittsburgh and go coming get out, new i was i was i was part of the very first fashion show myself bad news uh barrett at the time uh you know jonathan coachman mojo raleigh with a new day uh, it was a great time, and it's only grown since then. So you got to come out. Yeah, that's that sounds fun. definitely follow Justin for that. Uh, Matt, how about yourself? Overall thoughts on the show, and uh, where can the world find you online and what you're working on? Overall thoughts on the show. You got to understand, like a three-hour raw is usually so hard for me to watch, and like even Justin said, it's an okay show. We're talking about we went. I remember back when I used to be on uh, Keller's Torch Show. Every week was just like, oh. This is so bad. How did I get through it? You guys remember those years. The three-hour mm -hmm. show with this many commercial breaks, it's almost impossible to have an entertaining show. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, they're doing a great job. And what you said about being a star, I noticed this when Triple H took over. Everybody is always in a better position and is a bigger star than they were a few months ago. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, love being on Wrestling Inc., uh, you can follow me at Matt Coon Music. Uh, I'll be in and out, I think, next week. I'm not sure if I'm here, but uh, I'm definitely not done with Wrestling Inc. Love being here with you guys, and we'll probably do it again. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and watching and uh, following on Twitter and all that stuff. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I think I'm going to call you special guest, even when you've been on for, like, five years. I'll say, like, special, special guest. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, always, always good chatting with both you guys. I want to thank everyone who's in the chat. Oh, the lurkers as well. The ones who are just hanging out. Always appreciate you. But also Blue Chew, Tut Graf, Max Feldman, Bernie DC, MDB999, Ricky Zaldivar, uh, Dream Realm Studios, Low Vision Technology, Baby Ice, and everyone else, Jordan Lott. Thank you guys so much for coming through. You can follow me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. And the next big thing, well, I'm, I'm going to be on Wrestling Inc. all week. I'm doing NXT tomorrow and AEW on Wednesday. But uh, I'm also going to be doing commentary for Prestige Wrestling next or this Sunday. Uh, it's coming up fast this Sunday, so check that out on IWTV. Going to have some really fun matchups there, and it'll be worth your time. Talk about a sales pitch. That does it for us, and we will see you next time for the NXT After Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.